You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand ghost of a chance? Welcome to From the Bleachers, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Seamus Clancy. On this terrible, terrible, rainy, disgusting tornado day this week, I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Don't know when you're listening to it, but I hope it's a lot better weather than you have right now. Last week's podcast, if you didn't listen, you can go back and check that out. I talked about my identity crisis when it comes to potentially playing, not having football this season in the fall, no Eagles football for the first time in my life. It's not just, oh, I haven't seen the Eagles play in this long and this long. I've never not had a fall without the Eagles. None of us have. It's unprecedented territory. And I still want to talk about COVID a little bit today before getting into our larger topic where I'm going to look back on the 2001 Eagles uh, NFC title team. But big news over the weekend, uh, Doug Peterson tested positive for COVID-19. Luckily, he appears to be asymptomatic, looks to be making a fuller recovery. I will say though, when that Adam Schefter tweet and that I think Tim McManus actually of ESPN, the ESPN's Eagles reporter does a great job over there. First reported, my my heart sunk. Doug's a little bit older. I don't know how it's going to affect him. I don't know what kind of symptoms he have, how serious it can be. Obviously, as we know, it can result in death. Not to be morbid, but it just got me thinking, oh my God, imagine Doug Peterson fighting for his life like that and just really took me back, made me think about the gravity and the seriousness of this situation overall. And that's why I can't blame guys like Marquise Goodwin for opting out of the season, uh, as he did for the Eagles. His cap number gets rolled over to 2021. There's more cap space now, but it all evens out. Next year, uh, you have today uh, Alan Hearns, the wide receiver, opted out for the season. Guys on the Eagles want to do that too. It sucks from a football standpoint if they actually play games this year, which, as I said last week, I'm extremely pessimistic about. But those guys have lives, they have families, they have kids. That's the most important thing in their life. That's the most important thing that they have. They should be respectful to their spouse, their children, their immediate family. That's what they care about. And I cannot blame them for wanting to protect their safety and the safety of their loved ones over just playing Eagles football, no matter how much I truly, truly, truly love the birds. So don't blame guys like Goodwin. Hope Doug has a speedy recovery. Hope everything's well. I did like Doug mentioned uh, earlier in the week, over the weekend, talking about the potential of having one quarterback quarantine in a separate area or work in a different film room or train in a different part of the facilities down at the NovaCare complex than the other quarterbacks. And I could not be more behind that theory, whether it may be Jalen Hurts, Nate Sudfeld, whichever one of those two you want to pick. I understand if you want Jalen Hurts. 
getting the immediate attention with the coaches and being around Carson Wentz and acclimating himself to the a true NFL offense after having really no prep all off seasons of the draft because of how things were closed. No one was practicing. There was no mini camp, no rookie training activities because of COVID-19. So understand from a standpoint of you want to get him in there, you want to get him up to date, you want him to be knowledgeable about the pro game, get really into Doug's offensive system. And then you have Nate as a guy who's obviously been in it for a few years now. Uh, I'm not super high on Nate as a backup quarterback or clear the team is because they keep bringing him back and back. And, you know, they like to pretend he could be a starting quarterback elsewhere in this league, though we know the truth that he's certainly not. But if it's if it's Nate doing that, I think that's a smart move. If it's Jalen, maybe it's a little bit more risky. But as someone who would prefer Jalen Hurts to be the backup quarterback this year, regardless of where they think Nate is, where they think Jalen is, what they view Nate as, whether they have certain respect for Nate because of how long he's been here, the struggles he's gone through and, you know, getting cut from Washington and being picked up on the practice squad here and then coming on the roster, you know, playing a couple of games over the last couple of years. I get that, but I want to see Jalen Hurts in the field of Carson Wentz, isn't there? But hopefully everyone stays safe. It would be a smart move to me. And it's going to be intriguing to see how coaches, not just the Eagles, but around the entire league, try to manage roster decisions based around those potential COVID outbreaks. What I wanted to get to today is to look back. Now, I've been looking so forward and so worried uh, about the future of the birds, the future of football in general, the future of the NFL itself. Being scared, you know, for my own personal reasons in terms of this is my life, scared that there won't be football this year, scared I'm going to go crazy from not knowing what I'm doing every Sunday. And as I said last week, kind of basing every moment of my day, my week around, you know, what am I going to do on Sunday or Thursday night or Monday night, depending on when the birds are playing. It's scary to think, you know, this centering thing in my life, this constant, this thing that is so part of me and so part of our community and our fans everywhere. Uh, it's weird to not have that. But I want to look back this week. I want to look about some, look at something that brings me joy. Now, as some of you may know, I've been doing these Eagles BGN quarantine watch parties. Uh, I started to pick them up, pick them back up last Friday. It took about a month off given some of the, the Eagles team's own off-the-field issues as well as just general issues in our country with civil unrest that I wanted to be respectful for and not just do my little goofy shticks. But we brought them back last week. I did a TO-centric week because Terrell Owens was in, you know, called in the WIP. They had this whole discussion about, you know, whether TO was right, McNabb was right, Reed was right. Should they kept him? Should they let him go? I'm a huge TO guy. Wanted to celebrate that. So the three games I, you know, I'll throw up a poll and say, hey, readers, you know, we have these three games to pick up this week. I'll do a little recap of each game to give them an idea of what they're getting into. And, you know, they could stuff from there. I did three games from the 2004 season last a uh, week to highlight how awesome and unbelievable and franchise-changing Terrell Owens was to the Philadelphia Eagles. But this week, I'm rolling it back to 2001. Obviously, part of it is that it's easier to find older games on YouTube that aren't copyrighted to do these little watch parties for, as opposed to a game that came out in 2017 or 2018. But 2001 is really important to me as a person, and it's really important to the Eagles overall. Now, I was born in 1994. I'm 26 right now. So you could be a little bit younger than this. It's weird to think that people are younger than me listening to this podcast, but I'm sure it's true to some degree. And there's, I'm sure, a lot of you who are older than me and who've been Eagles fans longer than me or maybe been an Eagles fan longer than I've even been alive. But in 2001, I was seven years old. And that's kind of when my, you know, your memories become concrete to a degree when you're growing up and going through childhood right around six, seven years old. It's kind of when I start, you know, having remembering things, remembering watching sports. I think about watching the 2001 finals 
uh, where the Sixers made it and Allen Iverson played against the Lakers and they had that upset one in game one where Allen Iverson stepped over Tyron Lue, went off, the game went into overtime, uh, and then they got smashed the rest of the series, of course. But 2001, that NFL season is the season I remember watching most. Uh, or this first season, I should say, I remember watching. I look back on that. That was so formative for me. And that that was the perfect year for someone to hop onto this Eagles team, tie themselves to this franchise, like open their soul and make an indelible mark on it that I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan now. My entire life will be consumed by this until the day I die. The team was great that year. They won 11-5. and five. They won the division for the first time since 1988. They beat the New York Giants twice, beating them for the first time during the Andy Reid era. Reid was hired in 1999. They had lost to the Giants, who made the Super Bowl in 2000 that previous season. They had lost the Giants three times that previous season, including in the divisional in the divisional rounds of the playoffs. So they were gunning for New York in that transition period where Dallas was over in the 90s, and the Eagles became the premier team in the NFC East in the 21st century over the last two decades. There was a little window there where the Giants were the team to beat in the division. And they had Michael Strahan, that Kerry Collins, Jim Fossil was the head coach, and you had Tiki Barber at running back and Amari Toomer, so on and so forth. But the first game I truly, truly remember watching for the Birds was in week 16 of that season. And I think I remember watching it I'm sure I watched other Eagles games that season, but I think I remember watching that one because they won the division that year. They clinched the division. It was this such a big celebration amongst Eagles fans. You know, we're going nuts. We're so excited. Even at seven years old, I'm, you know, running around my house screaming after the game and celebration, you know, throwing the football around against the wall as my mom's yelling at me not to hit a mirror or a picture frame or something like that. Uh, I also think. My dad went to that game with uh, one of my older cousins, and they set the vet all the way up top of the 700 level, and the Eagles had pulled out a 24-21 win over the Giants, but it was quite, quite close at the end. The Eagles had gone up 24-21 and kicked it off. It's a touchback. The Giants have the ball at their own 20 with just a few seconds left on the clock. So first and 10 from their own 20, a couple seconds left to go the distance and tie the game or go ahead with a score. Kerry Collins throws a 14-yard pass to Tiki Barber, who immediately laterals it to Ron Dixon. When's the last time you heard that name, Ron Dixon, who scampers for 62 yards down the sideline before being tackled by Eagles safety Damon Moore at the four-yard line, preventing a complete and utter collapse. Imagine if that was the first Eagles game I remember watching. Now, that would be memorable because it would sum up everything that it is to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, to have this hype and this hope and this excitement just to have it smashed down on your face. I guess that's kind of what happened in 2001 too. They were the feel-good story around the league. McNabb had finished in second in MVP voting the previous year. They, uh, they, they host a wild card game at home in the 2001 playoffs. They beat the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card round for the second consecutive year. Uh, obviously, we know what happened the next year in the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will never do a podcast uh, about that. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, they go on the road in the divisional round facing the Chicago Bears who had a bye that year. And Hugh Douglas lays a huge, huge hit on their quarterback. He gets knocked out. It's controversial. It's a homecoming for McNabb in his home state, his home area of Chicago. He runs for a touchdown, famously you know, dunks the ball uh, on the end zone, uh, field goal post after scoring. It's awesome. 
uh, you know, the hype's building up, the hype's building up. The Eagles then go to St. Louis for the NFC Championship game, the first Eagles NFC Championship game since 1980, playing the St. Louis Rams, who two years ago uh, won the Super Bowl behind an MVP year from Kurt Warner. In 2000, Marshall Falk, the running back, had won MVP. That was the greatest show on turf. Marshall Falk is up there with, I never saw Barry Sanders, but Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, the two best running backs I've ever seen in my life. That guy could do it all. He was the first guy to really, you know, Roger Craig was the first guy, I think, to have, you know, a thousand receiving yards as a receiver or a hundred catches, whatever it may be. But Marshall Falk was just a total, total weapon, no matter where you line him up on that offense. Torrey Holt, uh, Isaac Bruce as well at receiver. That team was stacked. Mike Martz, uh, was previously the offensive coordinator in that Super Bowl year. Dick Vermeil retires. He becomes the head coach, and that team was humming offensively. And the Eagles go in there, and it's a close game, but they they lose an FC Championship game. You know, that was demoralizing for me. I had never experienced a big, painful Eagles loss before, and I was just left thinking, you know, oh, they got to come back next year. I know they're going to come back. They're young. They're young. And what do we know? They came back the next year, and they closed out the vet with – the most devastating loss in the history of my time as a Philadelphia sports fan. What happens in 2003? Oh, Brian Westbrook gets hurt before the playoffs. They lose as rookie Manning Jr. clobbers every Eagles wide receiver with a million defensive pass interferences that should have been called as the Eagles lose in humiliating fashion at home. The first NFC title game at Lincoln Financial Field after closing out the vet with a loss the previous year against the future Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lose to Carolina in 2003. I'm just like, how old am I then? Nine. I'm just thinking, we got we to gotta win now. What's going on? And then, obviously, they make the Super Bowl in 2004. That doesn't end the way we want to. But 2001 is that formative point in my time as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That is the perfect time for me to become a fan. It's when I truly fell in love with the team. I got blessed. I know there's, you know, like I said, it was the first time they had won a division since 1988. Imagine being an Eagles fan that was 10 years older than me. You know, maybe like me who has an older cousin or you're around the same age as me and you have older family members or what have you. Those guys, those girls, those whoever, they knew disappointment more than I ever did. They knew what it was like to just suck all season, not even to have that hype and to get it crushed. They didn't even have hype at all. They didn't even have excitement at all. Just to watch the Giants and Washington and the Cowboys to win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. <sighs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm blessed and cursed in a way that I was treated to the best stretch and franchise history, by far the most successful two-decade span in franchise history, not even close, and they've been the best team in the division the entire time I've been a fan. But at the same time, it's it's that weird inverse effect where how much you think the team is going to be good, how good you think they're going to be, how much hype that is built around that team, whether it's in the local media, the local fans, the national media. The Eagles have had that so frequently in my life, whether it's the dream team back to the end, the you know, McNabb Annie years, the, the crash and burn of the Chip Kelly era, 
and now the Doug Peterson hour where the last two seasons have been up and down after that Super Bowl win that we've all you know waited our whole lives for, that I'm at this teetering point where the more excited you are, the harder you crash for that fall. And again, how succinct is it that during my first season, as a true, true Philadelphia Eagles fan, I had him a McNabb jersey. My dad got me from Odell's one week, had an Eagles cap on, was all decked out, you know, not cursing, screaming at the game or doing anything like that, you know, crying after the playoff losses for sure, the whole nine yards. I remember begging my parents to let me stay home from second grade for him not go to school the next day after that 2001 NFC Championship game defeat. It all sucked, but I think that molded me. That, in a weird way, that molded my personality as this hardened individual who was so used to disappointment in in my formative years growing up. And as I'm sure is true of a lot of you people listening to this, you know, you formed your whole personality around being an Eagles fan who never won anything, a Philadelphia sports fan who's used to constant disappointment and failure. Because when you look at it, I'm, I've been alive 26 years. So between the four major Philly sports teams, there's been over 100 seasons in my lifetime. Only two of them have ended the way we wanted to. The 2008 Phillies and 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. Just two times, 104 seasons, have we gone home happy. That's wild to think about and it's wild to put in perspective how much time and energy and love and thought process and even money you put into watching and absorbing this team, this franchise, and this city. You know, for all the warts, all the flaws, all the craziness I spew on this podcast, whether in the offseason, this previous season, my first year with BGN, I've loved it. Uh, hoping to continue doing it through the fall. Uh, while I don't necessarily expect there to be football, if, if it's able to be played in a safe environment, you know, with the safety of players in mind, I'd love to be podcasting about the team Come this fall, if not, we might have some special projects brewing that I've talked about with the old commander, BLG. But that 2001 season, it set the course for the 21st century of Eagles football. It set the course of me as not just an Eagles fan or even a Philly sports fan. I felt like a person. My connections with, I was in second grade. That's when I started throwing football around the schoolyard after school, running up in the streets, playing the, doing the back street behind the St. Monica's Church and South Philly playing in the schoolyard, whatever have you, having little Eagles mini watch parties where I'd go over to my buddy Mike Leitner's house. You know, I had friends, Bobby Quichi, Michael come over, my place, watch the game on Sundays, have those big playoff watch parties at a, you know, maybe you at a family friend's house or your uncle's house, your grandma's house, whatever it may be. Maybe you host the big party. And, you know, those communal bonds were really, truly formed during that season. So I want to thank the 2001 Eagles for making me the person that I am. And I also want to blame them at the same time for the person that I am. You know, that's it. I'm going to keep it a short pod this week, guys and gals, and however you may identify yourself out there. But uh, going to be talking about the Eagles still, talking about quarantine, whatever kind of developments we have this offseason in my subscription newsletter, patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy, the From Broadstreet with Love newsletter. Just $2 per month, you get a newsletter every weekday, morning, Monday through Friday, talking Eagles, talking Sixers, talking Phillies. We'll be talking Flyers this week with how well they're doing going in that Ron, Ron, <laughs> round robin tournament leading into the true Stanley Cup playoffs in the NHL. So check it out on there. If you're listening to this and not follow me on Twitter, what are you doing? At Seamus underscore Clancy. Be sure to listen to the rest of the pods on the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. I'm especially excited to hear the, the classic, the iconic, the famous Jersey Analytics Podcast. 
Brandon Lee Gallon and the great Benjamin Solak. So stay tuned for that on the network. Make sure to be reading BGN, bleedinggreennation.com. Check me out on Twitter, the newsletter. You know the deal by now. Take it easy. Go Birds. Yeah.